listening to a podcast from The National. This is The National's Business Extra podcast. My name's Chris Nelson, and I'm joined once again this week by former business reporter Andy Scott, now one of our multimedia team, to talk about some of the stories that caught our eye this week. First up, we take a look at Malaysia's somewhat baffling decision to ban foreigners from buying units at a mega development in Johor near Singapore, and then we'll unravel the latest twists and turns in the Elon Musk saga. Finally, we'll take a quick look at Emirates' latest flight additions to Saudi Arabia before I have a chat with Anna Skiggin, the founder and chief executive of Frank Porter, a recently launched Dubai-based Airbnb management firm. But first, strange goings-on in Malaysia. I know, Christopher, what is going on. It's a $20 billion mega complex. $100 billion. I'm sorry, sir, but yeah, but it's, I think twenty billion dollar has been funded so far, hasn't it? It's not finished yeah. as yet. No, it's not finished. Yeah, um, most of the money so far has is Chinese. Yeah. However, the Malaysians have said no foreign investors are allowed to come in and buy. A very peculiar thing. On Monday, the Malaysian Prime Minister Mahathir Mohamad said he wanted to prevent foreigners from buying residential units at the, what will be, $100 billion Forest City project. Peculiar, because it is being built and primarily funded by the Chinese developer Country Garden. And not only that, it was marketed in China. Absolutely. I mean, this seems to be just a blatant bit of politics, doesn't it? It does seem a bit strange. I mean... Mr. Matahir has long been a vocal critic of um, Chinese in, over Chinese investment in Malaysia, he says. Um, but it's not a surprise. <laughs> it isn't really. I mean, given that between 2013 and 2017, Chinese foreign direct uh, investment into Malaysia rose by 350% to $2.36 billion last year. Yeah, and the Malaysians need it. They most certainly do. That's the point. Do. Uh, now, when I say it's politics, what he wants to say is that the, the, the poor people of Malaysia don't actually have the, 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 the level of income to, to buy into these uh, beautiful, well, I'll say beautiful yeah. without, uh, without actually knowing whether they are beautiful or not, but I mean, I'm imagine. sure they'll be sparkling yeah. and yeah. new. Uh, they don't have the, 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 the capital to buy into it. So it's, oh, I'm looking out for you little guys, I'm looking out for the, but actually still allowing it to be built. Because it, it's not being stopped. No, it's not being stopped. And... Uh, his, his, in fact, his direct quote was, our objection is because it's being built for foreigners and not for Malaysians. Most Malaysians are unable to buy those flats. So it begs the question, if he's not going to let foreigners buy it, who is going to buy them? <laughs> Why do they want just a huge white elephant to be built? Yeah, yeah, it seems that way. And at the moment, of, of the units sold so far, 65% have gone to Chinese and 20% to Malaysians, with the rest being from uh, about 22 other countries. It is a strange move in that two weeks previous to that, Mr. Matea told Country Garden that he welcomes foreign investment to create employment opportunities and benefit Malaysia's economic growth. China is a major, major uh, player when it comes to pumping money into, into Malaysia. There's a pipeline of rail and port projects that, according to City Research, is expected to receive $101 billion worth of Chinese investment over the next, uh, next two decades. So, as you say, it, it's a peculiar thing to do when you're relying on the very people who you've just banned from buying uh, units at this mega city. But the, another strange twist to it was that um, Country Garden's uh, shares, after he said everybody was banned, <laughs> the shares rose by 4%, which is 
not what you would expect. Um, according to DBS analyst Carol Wu, she said the reason was, or part of the reason was, that uh, it, it won't actually significantly dent their uh, their financials this year because that project only uh, accounts for 0.5% of Country Garden's total global sales. So wow. That's how big the company is. Significant player. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, talking of strange things, our old friend Mr. Musk is uh, back in the headlines again after he decided on late on Friday that he would, in his words, heed shareholder concerns and no longer pursue his $72 billion take Tesla private deal. We knew this was going to happen. We did indeed forecast this, yeah. He never had the funding in place. He never had the funding in place. The SEC are investigating him. And this makes it worse by him coming out of it because the implication is, according to numerous legal eagles, he did not have, he really didn't have the funding in place. And to say that he had the funding secured, his direct words, could well get him into some very serious hot water with the SEC. Yes, but actually, and because he has had a bit of good news, I don't know if you know this, because the SEC have ruled on another... An earlier one, yeah, yeah to drop the, the cause. But to, that's not related to this at all. Well, but it's because it's from the short sellers, mm, right? Mm. That there are a team, I don't know if they are teamed up, but there is, as in, a cabal of billionaires who are betting against Elon Musk delivering on the, uh, the Model 3... Uh, production run. Yeah. I think it's 5,000 yeah. cars a month. That's yeah. what they said they'll do. Or a week, I think. Uh, oh, is it a week? Yeah. Okay. I think yeah, it's a week. Uh, and they are betting billions of dollars mm. against that share price, saying that yeah. is never going to happen. They can't do it. They won't make it. And his tweets have become increasingly erratic, have we've mentioned. One of them suggested that the Model 3 was actually far more uh, advanced in its production schedule and, of course, would play that play, mm-hmm. uh, inflated their stock market mm-hmm. price, played against their short position, mm-hmm. and they brought it to the SEC. The SEC said, mm, no, actually, mm-hmm. you're allowed to hope to meet targets yeah. and you're allowed to say that. Yeah. It's only when you actually manifestly alter the, uh, the, yeah. the the the, the that you say something that's not right, precisely not true. Yes, yeah. 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 And apart from from the what must have been a fairly uh, embarrassing episode for Mr. Musk, on top of the it others, there's no shame anymore, um, mate. No shame. Well, yeah, maybe not. Shame um, doesn't exist. <laughs> but the other pro- big problem he has, apart from the SEC um, and the the other uh, continuing private investors' lawsuits against him and the company, is the the fact is the looming debt needs, they're, they're still there. There's a debt load of $10.5 billion and the likelihood of an impending cash shortfall. It has $103 billion of debt coming due in the next three months. And guess how much cash it has to hand? Uh, it's about $2 billion, isn't it? Uh, yeah, sorry, $1.3 billion debt coming due, and it has $1.3 billion right, in okay. cash. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to continue burning cash in the second half of this year. And it is thought it will probably have to borrow up to two billion by the end of this year just to stay afloat. But that's what a lot of banks and analysts have been saying since this the the the, the infamous tweet about him taking it private mm. and then the recal- uh, uh, moving back. Uh, they've said right, refinance your company. That's what you need to do because mm. obviously you're burning through cash at an alarming rate. Your stocks are uh, taking a hit. Also, they are losing. Uh, scores and scores of personnel to Apple. Yeah, yeah. Don Field, the guy that came over from twenty thirteen from from Apple mm-hmm. in twenty thirteen, he was. Uh, let me just make sure I get his title correct. I think he was the senior vice president of engineering in charge of the Model Three. Mm-hmm. Left again last month to go back to Apple. Yeah, 
people asked, why is he doing that? Why, why, why would you put all your eggs in one basket, mm. choose, then change, and then change again? And they said, well, the stock options aren't the same. Yeah. Apple, of course, the biggest company on the planet, yeah. probably pay one and a half, if not twice. This is just for most people, mm. just for your mm. average, average Joe. Mm. That's what they, Apple is the player in town now. Mm. Tesla used to have that cachet, used yeah. to have the new boy on the block, but now... People have to work hard. You have to earn your corn, and you can earn your corn a lot easier down the road. Analysts reckon the most likely option for Tesla is what's called a convertible debt issue, which Musk has historically favoured, to raise capital. And what that does is it gives owners the right to trade their debt for equity after the shares rise over a certain amount, and it also allows holders to, it sort of offers them a bond-like protection if it fails. But but the challenge of this, as you alluded to earlier, is that it drives more short sellers to your stock. And that's one thing he does not want. Well, that's the problem. He doesn't want a lot of things at the moment. But the fact is, Elon Musk is in a position which I doubt uh, very few people will ever get in their life. He has so many balls being juggled in the air. Mm-hmm. Apart from SpaceX, that's mm-hmm. talking about colonising Mars. Mm-hmm. The Hyperloop. And the mega open, battery factory. And, oh, yes. Yeah. Solar City. An open yeah. platform which he put on the internet. He's got Tesla. He's developing, uh, it's called uh, the the dugout loop. Did you know what that no, is? No, The I've dugout loop is into the LA Dodgers Stadium. <laughs> Travels at 150 <laughs> miles an hour. It's right. being built. Uh, um, and uh, Elon Musk is taking all the risk on it. Personally, it'll be. Uh, right. uh, sorry, uh, no. Hang on. What's his company called? Boring. Oh, Boring Co. Yeah. Boring Company. Yeah, they're they're taking the risk on it. Uh, it'll be opened in twenty twenty. Uh, it travels at one hundred and fifty miles an hour. It only takes for four minutes, and it'll only cost a dollar. And where's that from? Where are the people coming from? I presume it's uh, it's from L.A. into the Dodgers Stadium. Okay, so yeah. I don't know specifically where. I don't know the uh, the geography of L.A. Yeah, enough yeah, yeah. to to be able okay. to give you that information. But I presume it's a fair distance. Uh, it's mm. one of the biggest stadiums in the in America is, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. Well, uh, getting back to Tesla, the other um, way it could raise some of the money is through is by sec- basically securitizing the automotive leases, which are backed by the drivers now for. The Model S and for the Model X cars, a lot of drivers lease those. Now, you can securitize those leases, basically sell them to third-party um, investors who then cream off some of the in- interest. He's done that before, and it would it would raise fi- uh, uh, raised fi- $546 million when it tried it before, which is a significant amount. However, now there are two problems with doing that. Um, the first is that older Teslas may well not sell for as much as when those leases were taken out, the mm-hmm. rate that those leases were taken out of because of the rise of um, EV competitors. Um, and the second one, and this is interesting. Sorry, Chris, sorry to interrupt, but there mm. is still a cachet to having a Tesla. There is. We'll see how long it lasts. Well, we will see how long it lasts. Well, it's lasted. I mean, yeah, we. So, uh, we I mean, were if asked, it goes bust, we were not asked. We much. were asked. I was asked just before I came in here, and I was asked, "When did when did Tesla start?" And I went, "I think they're in the first episode of Suits." <laughs> now that's been going a long time. The girl who's in that has become royalty since that started. Now I think that shows that that Tesla have been around a lot longer than you think. They've had a name, and they have still they are still thought of as. Cool. I'm doing a little bunny yeah, ears, Sony. Yeah, absolutely. But they're not going to be very cool if they go bust. Um, and one of the other reasons why that particular model of uh, raising cash is problematic for Tesla 
and this is this is quite interesting. Um, although about twenty to thirty percent of Model S and Model Xs are leased, the Model Three, which the company is absolutely pinning its hopes on, yep. has to be bought for cash. There are no leases available for that. So down the line, you will not be able to securitize those leases to raise cash. Finally, Emirates has added yet another daily flight on its route from Dubai to Riyadh, starting from September the first, bringing it up to four a day. That's remarkable. Mm. I mean, you know, ninety-one a week. <laughs> and they're not A three eighties, though, are they? No, they're Boeing seven seven sevens on the new route. I presume they'll be on uh, on the on the other routes as well. Okay, okay. But Still. it's taken. Yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of flights, but. Bearing in mind, in 2017, one and a half million Saudis visited Dubai, uh, according to Dubai Tourism. Um, and, of course, Saudi Arabia is the UAE's biggest trading partner. In the region, non-oil trade estimated at uh, 880 billion dirham last year. So, um, so tourism and it, the growth thereof is all part of the UAE's push um, to diversify away from oil revenues. And it's to tourism we turn next. Um, Anna Skiggin is the founder and CEO of Frank Porter, an Airbnb management company that recently launched in Dubai. Earlier this week, she came into the studios to talk to me about the business and about how she sees the future for it. You're the founder and the CEO of Frank Porter, described as an Airbnb management company, uh, which you launched in Dubai. Can you tell me exactly what Frank Porter does? Yeah, sure. Uh, Frank Porter, as you said, is an Airbnb management company, and we take over apartments. We style them, take professional pictures, and put them out on Airbnb, uh, Booking.com, TripAdvisor, HomeAway, and a bunch of other uh, platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, to make money for the owners. What What is the advantage for the owner to go via your company rather than just go straight to Airbnb or Booking.com? Or? So, especially in this region, it's quite a hassle to do it yourself. I mean, if you do any kind of guest management, it requires check-ins, check-outs, uh, cleanings, laundries, mm-hmm. communication with the guests, you know, something broke, something needs fixing, all of that. Plus the licensing. Companies need to be licensed and also apartments need to be licensed mm-hmm. in order to be on Airbnb, which is kind of... It's a hassle for people mm. to do, so we simplify that. We do everything for mm. the owner. Mm-hmm. So you do all the all the kind of paperwork, the legwork, the bits that people don't. Yeah, like exactly, doing. Yeah. exactly. So we do everything. You can do it yourself, but again, we don't recommend because yeah. it is quite quite a hassle. Yeah, yeah. So you launched um, Frank Porter in Dubai. When, when was that? So it was at the end of last year, around November two thousand seventeen. Um, we've launched and we had an amazing growth since mm-hmm. then. And how did you how did you raise the finance for the initial launch? It was all us. It was myself and my husband. We put our money together. We came to Dubai. We realized there's a huge opportunity in Dubai. It's the sixth, seventh most traveled city in the world. Mm-hmm. And Airbnb is not a thing. People don't Airbnb their properties. So yeah. we realized that this is something we need to do. And where were you before you were in, in, uh, in London? Dubai? Right. Okay. And did you do the same thing in London? So we, I did the same thing, not as a business, but for personal. Mm-hmm. I've Airbnb'd my apartments around the world, mm-hmm. and um, have made quite good money that way. Mm-hmm. So I realize it's very easy to do as yourself yeah. in London, but yeah. very difficult to do it here. Yeah. So that's where we realized that we, a, there, there is, a is niche. exactly. Yeah. 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 How how did you arrange the the way you work with Airbnb and Booking.com and those platforms? Um, do, do they 
license you in some way or, or do you pay a fee or how, how do you have access so every to platform you have to pay a fee whether it's a company or personal you mm. still have to pay a commission mm. um since we've grown now we have a relationship with all of the platforms they help us for sure we give them business so they, yeah. they help us a lot yeah. um and um and and yeah but we pay them commissions the same though as anyone else yeah. would yeah, and is there is there a noticeable difference between the various platforms from the point of view of how much business you you get? So that's actually a very interesting question because um, in Europe and the US, it's very much Airbnb dominated, maybe ninety percent. Mm-hmm. But in this region, Booking dot com is very strong. Really? So our business is about fifty fifty between right. Airbnb and Booking dot com. Why why do you think that might be? Um, well, because Booking.com is a is a very used platform in the Middle East, mm. in MENA in mm. general, and people are used to booking hotels, so they don't want to switch from one to the other to book an apartment. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. just automatically book apartments. Mm-hmm. So they're familiar with it. They're familiar. Yeah. The other big thing is that actually Booking.com is in Arabic, ah, yeah, and Airbnb okay. isn't yet, but uh-huh. it will be this uh-huh. year. So I think once that switch happens, more, much more people are going to be yeah. using Airbnb, yeah. which will boost your uh, yeah, your sure. business flows yeah now you say that frank porter it maximizes returns for the owners can you give us an idea of how does it do that so the way that we do that is because we use daily pricing we look over the properties we make sure we fill in the gaps i mean this is our business mm. we check for example if there's gaps in the calendar and you know usually we have a minimum three night rule but if there's a gap in the calendar we lower it to two nights to make sure that it's booked mm-hmm. so we maximize the occupancy and we maximize obviously in turn the mm-hmm. revenue mm-hmm. now obviously it if um, if a potential client is utilizing your service, then they must pay a fee as well. Yes. And is that your your sole source of income? Yes. Mm-hmm. We take seventeen percent commission, and that's that's all we take. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. transparent, and it's for absolutely everything is covered under that seventeen percent. And um, you have plans for for further expansion, given given the uh, reception received so far. How? Do you envisage being able to 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 grow it in this country and and beyond? Well, I think we we are currently only in Dubai. We would like to grow in other Emirates, mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. and also Raq. Yeah, Ras Al Khaimah, of course, yeah, yeah, which is a big the big push for the tourism uh, for sure. Tourism book, big right? tourism, great uh, facilities, everything. Mm-hmm. So. And then once maybe that's accomplished, then we can look outside of the MENA region. There's huge potential in this region. um, So we are definitely thinking of that. Where do you see in the future um, the upcoming events that that, um, you think you can tap into? I mean, I'm I'm imagining things like in in Abu Dhabi, certainly, um, the F1 Grand Prix always brings in hundreds of thousands of people. Of course, it's only a one-off event. But looking further down the line, particularly into Dubai, um, you will be in a position to, I would imagine, to uh, really take advantage of Expo 2020. Yes, that is one of the big, big factors where we're telling all of our clients who are thinking about it and are not sure that get your property out there now because the Expo is around the corner and that is when tourism is supposed to hit 20 million and we're seeing the buildup. We're seeing the infrastructure coming yeah. coming along, and we're seeing a lot of clients come our way because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you have an apartment and you don't know what to do with it, this is kind of the time to put it out. Yeah. So you get the reviews, you get the traction, you get more guests. So by Expo, you are a highly rated apartment when people are actually looking to come to UAE. 
My thanks to Miss Skiggin for that. Looks like Expo 2020 will be a boon for many. Thanks also to Andy Scott and our producer today, Kevin Jeffers. My name's Chris Nelson. That was the National Business Extra podcast, and you can find us at your usual app providers and at thenational.ae.